Hey there, welcome to the Event Manager Podcast. I'm Miguel Nebs, the Editor-in-Chief of Skiff Meetings. Today, or this episode, is something a little bit different. Uh, we have no uh, special guest, special invited guest. It is just me, so hopefully you will enjoy it. But it is a special episode around event uh, tech and the state of event tech. And it's really around my uh, visit to the Event Tech Live trade show that happened in London this week and my impressions of the show and kind of thinking outside the box about what that means, uh, who was there, what did uh, we talk about in the aisles, uh, what is the state of event tech, uh, who's investing in what, uh, what are those conversations, and who's paying attention. Uh, because I think event tech has gone through that crazy ride of the pandemic of being virtual events being the only thing that we were able to do. Now that we're able to do in-person events, where does that leave the industry? And so I've tried to um, have these conversations and, and kind of distill them into a short podcast for you to listen to and hopefully get an impression of what's happening uh, with event tech at the moment. So I hope you enjoy that. I hope you check out the other episodes of the Event Manager podcast. So without further ado, this is the Event Tech episode of the Event Manager podcast. for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Hi, everybody. Uh, Miguel Neves, Editor-in-Chief here. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Eventech. And the reason for this is that I've just come back from Eventech Live, a show that takes place uh, in London and is fully dedicated to Eventech. Uh, I think it is, to my knowledge, the only show, at least in Europe, that is fully dedicated to event technology. And so it's a really interesting opportunity to just understand where we are and understand the state of event tech um, right now. And I have to say, I was pretty impressed. I think that um, event tech has gone through definitely a a crazy bubble in 2020 and 21. Uh, and of course, we saw those amazing uh, amounts of funding coming into the industry. Uh, Hopin valued at close to $8 billion and receiving over, over $1 billion in funding. Um, crazy amounts and a number of IPOs as well, including Cvent, who re-IPO'd. Um, and um, lots of um, interesting things happening over the last two and a half years. But now, just like in-person events, it feels like event tech is kind of coming back to where it was in many ways. And, um, and of course, it feels a little deflated. And that's unavoidable, I think. I think that's just the nature. If you go through such a crazy bubble um, and then you come back to sort of where you were before that, I think it's quite hard to, um, to really feel uh, successful or feel really happy about it. Um, but nevertheless, I think that um, event tech is uh, alive and kicking. And I asked a number of uh, founders, a number of representatives of the brands on site, 
if I was accurate in saying that revenue uh, for them was around double what it was in 2019. And quite a few agreed. I didn't have anybody to, to say that that was way off. And some even said it was closer to three or two and a half, something like that. And so if you think about you know, doubling your business over the space of three years, I'd say that's pretty good, right? That is a pretty good um, business, um, that's a pretty good business performance. But in terms of having this bubble in between, it doesn't really feel like that. And I started thinking about sort of an analogy for this would be to be in a kind of group of high school friends, uh, a group of geeks, let's call them the event tech geeks uh, that are plugging away, doing their own thing, not very popular, not you know, not as a large part of the industry as, let's say, destinations or hotels. When you compare uh, at a big kind of global show like IMAX, event tech is usually um, a small part of that, 5 to 10%. I don't know the exact numbers. So the analogy for me would be to be the group of geeks at high school. And then suddenly this group of geeks during the pandemic became incredibly popular and they were, um, you know, most popular group in the class and that just became the center of attention and for some reason and you know in this case of course the pandemic that attention went away and fortunately we're back to in-person events uh, of course we'll see how that develops and hopefully we won't go back into lockdowns etc uh, but most of the world is still uh, meeting in person and so it, the analogy is that this this group of geeks is is back to being a group of geeks but I think they've learned a lot about it. They've learned a lot about business. They've learned about the industry. And, you know, sadly, some have left and some have pivoted and some have merged and, and things have changed. But but they're back to being kind of their group. Um, and I think that was pretty good to see. And it has a lot of positive elements to it as well. And one of the things that I think a lot of the more tech-focused people can can un can understand, and, and I am not a developer by any means, but I can understand enough to realize that before the pandemic, most event tech was built um, in very specific ways. Like each company approached the problem in a very specific way, had a specific set of tools in the back end. And, and that worked well for you know, developing a single product that had, had its own focus. But when it came to hiring people, when it came to integrating with other technologies and other platforms, it, it's quite hard or it was quite hard. And with the pandemic and this kind of rapid acceleration of, of especially virtual event tech, companies needed to develop things very fast. So they needed to use uh, ways of programming and, and you know, skills that were widely available. So when they brought people in, they had to shift, uh, and I, I don't know the exact details, but shift to programming and developing in, in many, very much the same way as other tech does. And that, I think, will have a really interesting lasting impact on how event tech develops because um, you know we've seen recently layoffs uh, at Twitter which I think could be a whole other episode but uh, Facebook a lot of the big tech companies are sadly laying off people which is obviously never good but there's a lot of very smart developers programmers out there that that could be uh, incorporated in a lot of these event tech companies and I think that Rapid development because of the pandemic um, has changed things a little bit. And that sort of tech stack uh, behind the scenes is now much more compatible with other tech stacks. And I think that's really good news. So I expect some really, um, at least the speed of development um, that companies have, I think has really changed now. And I think that's good news across the board. So that was my first kind of um, 
feeling uh, about the show. Just to give you some numbers, um, uh, the organizers said that there was about six and a half thousand people register or over six and a half. That includes uh, people that registered just to participate online because there was an online component. Uh, it was hybrid in in some ways the, the show they didn't advertise it as hybrid but it did have a virtual day uh the day before and that was tuesday the 15th and then there was two on-site days on the 16th and 17th um and the organizers also confirmed that there was about 1500 uh at the end of day one that came through the door i don't know if day two was as successful but if you're thinking maybe a couple of thousand maybe 2500 um came through the show um, over the course of the two days that's that's a significant number this is not an IMAX that has you know maybe 12,000 people something like that this is definitely a smaller show but it is bigger than any of the tech sectors at IMAX or IBTM World or any of the other shows so if you're focused on event tech particularly if you're London, UK, and even European-based, I think it is a, a valuable way to look at, at what is out there in terms of event tech. So just to go through a little bit of, uh, you know, who was there, who was exhibiting, who was investing in the show, uh, the big investors were Stova. They were sort of the main sponsor, and I was fortunate to be invited to uh, join um, Stova on stage. Uh, Chad Blaze, the chief revenue officer, was moderating a session also uh, with myself and also uh, Reese Morgan from uh, JP Morgan. Um, that was a um, very good session, well attended, and we discussed really the, the present and the future of event technology. Uh, so um, I think that was part of the um, that was part of the the investment of Stova in the show. So they were definitely the one of the big um, investors in the show. Hubelo, uh, I think, probably had the biggest floor space in terms of their their booth. Uh, they had a big booth with a with a media kind of area with a. Uh, with some food as well, some entertainment. So they were definitely there in force. Uh, we had Bizabo, Notified, One World Rental, which is more on the um, production side. They had quite a big stand. Rainfocus was there. Of course, Cvent had a big presence as well. And a couple of brands that may be less known, uh, Unity and Nuna. Uh, Unity uh, rebranded uh, 3D VR live events, I believe the old name was, and Nuna, uh, which was more of a camera action um one of those kind of uh booths to to capture um fun uh, videos for social media that was the main focus of nuna's activation at the show um they were the larger booths there was a lot of small booths as well but they were the larger one and and just to say I know that Event Tech Live partners with a lot of people in different ways, um, so the size of the booth isn't necessarily a, uh, a, a reflection of the size of the company and how much they're investing in uh, Event Tech, uh, but it nevertheless is, is an interesting indication, and I think it's valuable to understand who uh, invests uh, and who doesn't. Of course, you know, one big company that was absent and has been absent pretty much from every event is Hopin. Um, after their uh, big rounds of investment and really doing a lot uh, in 2021 to capture the um, attention of the event industry at IMAX and other trade shows, they've really shifted their strategy. Unfortunately, announced another round of layoffs very recently. Um, but they've also announced that they're really shifting their strategy and they're splitting out their products, which I think is, is a really interesting approach. And I think we'll definitely be talking more about that on SCIF meetings. So look out for that. Um, but they were definitely not there. And a number of other kind of 
larger players maybe um they don't have a, a, a you know a representation in europe or in the uk as strong so they would have opted not to be there but you know notable absences webex events they had a big stand at, at imax but they weren't here in the uk um spot me event moby people like that are did not participate in this event and um for whatever reason i don't i don't really want to speculate but you know i think it was still a, an interesting representation of um who is investing and who is looking for for business, who's actively looking for business, uh, particularly in the UK market. Another thing I wanted to point out is how much uh, education was happening at the show. There was four uh, separate stages, uh, varying capacities. There was also little areas for kind of roundtable conversations, but four separate stages, um, varying capacities. I think something from around 70 or 80 um, capacity, people capacity in the um, main stage to something like 20 or 30 people, um, all using um, headphones. So to keep kind of the noise levels down, there are also speakers, but the noise levels, I don't think were an issue. So I think it actually worked quite well. Um, and what was also nice is that all the sessions on these stages were captured on video. Uh, we saw, I believe, the one world rental team. I could be wrong about who was actually managing that, but we saw them um, do a sort of live mix of cameras and potentially slides where there were slides uh, for the video. Um, so I expect those to be released pretty quickly and you know, a lot of interesting content there. I think that approach is really interesting, um, obviously not cheap you know there are uh, some costs around capturing that but if you're gonna go to the trouble of putting on a lot of education then i think it's a, it's a really valid way of doing that i don't believe there was live streaming of these sessions but i think they will be uh, mixed and sort of uploaded pretty quickly so i think that's that's a really interesting approach but just a comment around how much i mean these education areas these stages took up probably something like 20 or 30 percent of the total floor space um, so that is a huge investment in education and it makes a lot of sense to me um, i don't know if it would be possible to you know do something like this at one of the larger trade shows it probably doesn't make that much sense but in this case it makes sense because event tech um, particularly new technologies or complex themes like data or ROI or even marketing approaches and um, or demoing uh, some sort of new capabilities. It's great to be able to do that with technology and, and with education. So I think tech and education and live presentations go hand in hand. I, I saw some of the sessions, there wasn't a lot of sales pitches. Some were labeled as uh, you know demos which i think is perfectly fine but for the most part they were very educational and, and they were well um, delivered so i think it's really interesting how much education is part of the whole event tech uh, scene uh, at least in in this show uh, and so yeah I, I think there is a a very good relationship there between kind of education and event tech are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. 
One conversation that I kept on having at the show was the, I guess, developing different ways of approaching event tech. Um, and this isn't something new, but I think it's something that's developed even more since the pandemic. Um, and what I mean by that is the the different ways of kind of dissecting and, and cross-secting and looking really at the, uh, at the event tech uh, industry, in particular, who is buying event tech within companies and of course this changes um, depending on if you look at it from a from a corporate perspective from an association perspective uh, and i guess the big question is are the event planners the ones buying event technology um, i mean they're definitely part of the decision um, are they the decision makers probably not there's probably some sort of procurement process but how uh, how much are they involved and i think through the pandemic and now, there are many situations where it's more the marketing team or marketers or head of marketing uh, that may be more involved. There may be also situations where HR is involved in the sense of um, event tech to help run internal events or community building events or even event tech that helps to manage communities, whether they be internal or external. So there's always a big question about, you know, who are the decision makers in, in many ways, this in the same way as selecting uh, venues or destinations for events. But I think with event tech, it gets even more complicated uh, because some companies also have big IT departments. And uh, then, of course, there's the data and security kind of uh, part of it. So there's a lot of different ways of looking at it. And, and what I find fascinating is that there are a number of um, players and companies that operate in this space uh, or around this space that wouldn't really consider themselves as um, event tech. Or, um, you know, we had the opportunity to speak uh, with Mark Lair from Open Exchange. Uh, if you look at the, um, if you, you listen to that podcast a few weeks back, that was fascinating. Open Exchange is not a platform that I'm familiar with. I don't think they see themselves necessarily as part of the event tech uh, group of companies, but they're a pretty large company and they definitely operate, as far as I'm concerned, in events, right? They do investor relations events. They do IPO webinars. They do um, all sorts of sort of banking and financially uh, connected uh, types of uh, virtual events. And that's their niche. That's their business. I would say that is event tech, but it's a an event tech that serves a very specific niche. Um, so I think that's that's kind of interesting. Um, the other kind of angle to that is is that what drives discovery? You know, who's asking for for different event tech or different tools or different things that they can do with event tech? Is it the planners? Is it the marketers? Uh, is it IT from a security perspective? Is it HR? Are there other departments involved that might be? you know, looking for those those things. Uh, and in particular, I think that the marketing angle is is really interesting in, in the way that, you know, with, uh, with cookies going away and a lot of the ways that marketers have um, used a lot of online marketing changing quickly, uh, social media also fluctuating always. Marketing events and the connection between marketing of events and marketing a company through events or sales, etc. Those relationships are, are shifting all the time. And I have a feeling, I don't have any 
hard data around this, but I have a feeling that marketing is more and more having conversations around how to use events, particularly to collect that that first party data that's becoming so valuable and so unique um, to events in many ways. So that's an interesting conversation. I think it's something that's evolving. Again, it's not new, but it's definitely evolving. And uh, we definitely discussed about that uh, a lot at the show. So another thing I wanted to point out was this idea of um, the different kind of approaches to to event technology. Um, and we saw, I mentioned already some of the bigger players like Stova and Hubelo and Bizabo and Notified, also Rainfocus, Cvent, uh, you know, the larger kind of booths, but many other uh, companies were present. And most of these companies, I feel, are going for this kind of all-in-one approach. You know, they want to make sure they have all the software that's needed, particularly for corporate clients for that enterprise model so that they can become the platform that companies go to for all kinds of events, be they big product launches, be they big association events in the case of associations, or small webinars, uh, the community management side of things, but also the in-person side of things. They all want to have a strong registration part, a strong uh, badging. Um, They want to have a good check-in process, um, a lot of different elements, the, the, the lead scanning uh, for the trade show component or even leads at sessions or controlling access to sessions, those kind of things. Those are all important. And if, you're, if you want to be able to provide all that, I think that's really important. And so all these companies have this kind of all-in-one approach. Some um, use the word hybrid, some stay away from it, but essentially they want to be able to provide a really comprehensive set of products and services uh, for anybody um, organizing events, uh, particularly those that organize events um, ongoing, on an ongoing basis. I think there's definitely a, a focus on this sort of more annual contract rather than a kind of one-off kind of contract. I think everybody's kind of staying away from, from one-offs as much as possible. Uh, those would be more the, the kind of the SaaS model or the software as a service where you have uh, quickly quick setups and quick turnarounds, but not necessarily a, a fully customized experience or anything like that. And the reason I mention this is that what, what then happens, particularly at trade shows, is that it, it, it's quite hard to find new ideas. It's quite hard to differentiate between the platforms because most of them will do most of the features. And I think Brant Kruger was somebody who mentioned this a while back, and I think he's right. You know, Something like 80% of the platforms will have 80% of the features. So when you're looking for a specific feature, most of the larger players will have uh, features, You know, something like chat, polling, registration, whatever it is. Um, some will do those things better than others. But essentially, they all have all the features to some extent, you know, most of the features. So I think trade shows like this and, um, you know, hopefully skiff meetings as well as helpful in that respect are, are great resources to find new ideas, because I think those new ideas always come from the smaller players, from the startups, from the people who either take a different approach to um the issue or the problem or whatever the platform is trying to do, um, or just new ideas, new types of technology. Uh, And so I wanted to highlight a a few of these that I think I I saw that um, more the themes um, that I saw coming up, uh, but I think they're worth exploring. Uh, And I think for 
a particular type of clients. I think especially if you're trying to impress or change some sort of behavior, um, I think trying something that's not standardized is is probably a really, really good way to go. Um, so I had a, a chat with uh, Rocco Harrow from Kickback Space, um, one of the platforms that's metaverse-like or 3D VR. Uh, and they do uh, one type of approach, which is a kind of 3D environment. Um, and then you have a sort of video square or kind of a live video feed that's kind of floating and overlaid on that space. Um, and, you know, he has good reasons why he thinks that is the best approach. Uh, and that works well. It's quite immersive, but at the same time, you don't have to create an avatar and and lose that video feed, which in many ways makes sense to connect directly with that video feed. So I think that's one approach. But I, I bring this up because Rocco on his on his uh, booth had a, a whole kind of diagram of different approaches um, to the different uh, really approaches to virtual events from the basic kind of webinar uh, camera to the uh, avatar-based 3D model, also the kind of spatial overhead view where you can move around and kind of find each other a little bit like you do you can do in 3D spaces, but not a 3D space. Um, and he kind of displayed all the different solutions and kind of made a, an argument of why, you know, the solution that the, that platform, the kickback space, has opted uh, four is the right one. And I thought that was a really nice way to do it. You know, again, going back to that education and technology connection. So um, I thought that was really, really, you know, a nice way to educate people. And not everybody will agree, but at least they'll see the different options and kind of see what decisions have to be made there. Another uh, thing that has come through in a number of different platforms on site was this idea of um, using AI or technology or using uh, you know, more newer tools to edit content. So video recorded content. Uh, there was a couple of platforms that had AI capabilities to summarize video content, which I think is something that a lot of uh, planners can <clears throat> really relate to, that idea that if you capture a lot of content, um, not all of it is is useful or very you know, nice to watch online. So if you can capture that, summarize it. Sometimes very short summaries to use on social media can be really uh, useful and really powerful. Sometimes a longer summary, but still a valid summary of, of, a, of a session is, is really interesting. Um, and so there are now tools in development, some in kind of more beta mode, but some are quite advanced to uh, do that editing or help you do that editing and and so there was a, that was a theme that came up quite a bit and i and i meant and i met with a few different companies taking different approaches some very ai driven where um kind of the summary is made for you and and you know they're trying to improve that model as they go and others that are taking very much more of a kind of manual approach but still making it fast and easy to do so so i think there's going to be a lot of developments in that space and it's not a space that's exclusive to events, but it's definitely a space that makes a lot of sense to events, particularly when you want to go from live events to uh, content on demand. I think it's super valuable. Another area that a few different companies were approaching was this idea of personalization. This is something that the larger uh, event tech companies are working on, um, but I was uh, interested to see that there's also some other players looking at AI again to uh, really work on this personalization and, and offer a kind of layer of personalization that can be added to other platforms. And I thought that was particularly interesting. So definitely an area to to watch out for, uh, see what happens there. 
Um, there was um, another uh, startup that I met with looking at um, motivating people uh, in terms of that kind of gamification. Um, but I thought what was really interesting about the approach uh, of this company was the promoting of a sort of loyalty, a sense of loyalty, a, a kind of loyalty scheme. Uh, so the idea being that if you take certain actions at an event, you are on a leaderboard. There's that sort of visual incentive to see how many points you can get. But it's not just a meaningless kind of list of points or number. Then you can use those points to trade for other things. And I thought that was a really interesting approach uh, and something new that I hadn't seen before. Um, so that's that's also an interesting development. Um, Big winners of the Event Tech Awards that are also connected to the show was a company called Access Loop, uh, and I thought that was really well-deserved. Um, they are really trying to focus on the issue of accessibility, particularly people with um, hearing difficulties and other accessibility issues, uh, and for kind of having solutions for, for virtual event platforms and also for live events. Uh, and so I thought it was really interesting that they came up. They won, I think, four awards from a total of 37, uh, but four big awards and definitely, a, I think, a, a message to the industry that there's a need to make sure that accessibility is part of any event tech stack, any kind of thinking around events. I think that's super important. So uh, congratulations to them. And I think we'll hopefully see more of that um, happening as well. Uh, and I think the last thing I'd mention is this idea of ROI and um, trying to figure out how to measure uh, data at events. I spoke to a company um, that monitors, um, that uses cameras to monitor traffic at trade shows. So really their clients are the big um, people exhibiting at trade shows. And so using cameras, anonymized, uh, so not taking any kind of video, but just using cameras to capture how many people are around the booth and what are they looking at? Uh, and I thought that was kind of interesting because it's, it's a very safe approach. You're not capturing any any sensitive data. So in terms of GDPR and other data privacy issues, there's no real issue there, particularly when using this kind of technology at medical meetings and other kind of sectors that are highly regulated. This is a, a, something that comes up a lot, that there's a lot of restrictions. But in this case, this is, um, you know, according to the vendor, very much um, safe for any of those environments. And if you're a a pharmaceutical company spending millions on on booths and figuring out what's really working, what's what's attracting people's attention. This could be a really interesting solution. And so there's a lot of kind of technology and better camera equipment, better sensors that that are interesting in in kind of trying to add that data level. And in many ways, this is that attempt at bringing the level of data capture that you have from virtual events to in-person events. Um, I think a lot of vendors have been talking about this for a while. And it's not easy. I think Bizabo were one of the few companies that have invested on, in something like this. And they were on site also talking about the the click uh, or the, 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 the reinvention of click, which is a company that they acquired about a year ago, um, a smart badging company and how that really uh, kind of connects the dots for um, for the in-person side of events. So I think those are, that's what I'll mention. There was very... Um, very interesting to see. And, and congratulations to Event Tech Live on, on putting together a good show um, and also including a lot of startups. I think that's really important. It's not always easy to find uh, people that are working in this space. Some may be working in the space and not are not that knowledgeable about the, the whole industry. So it's not always easy to find them. But I think congratulations to the team for, for finding them and working with accelerators and other people that can kind of help um, locate those startups and, and showcasing them at the show. 
Um, so I think that's really, really good. Um, and the last thing I'll mention is that there was a lot of rumors of mergers, acquisitions, layoffs around the show. Um, I didn't speak to anybody who wanted to be on record talking about anything, but it's definitely an industry in flux, a sector in flux. Um, unfortunately, there are some sad stories. There are some people um, doing some good deals. And uh, and so looking forward to sharing some of that news when I have confirmation, when I have announcements and when I can really um, speak to people more about what that means and how they're seeing the future of the industry. So I hope you enjoy this this little summary. Um, I, I have a lot more to talk about and a lot more to write about. So look out for more content on Skiff Meetings. And uh, hopefully you found that useful. And uh, hopefully you also enjoyed this format. I, this is the first podcast that I do solo. Um, and you, if you listen to any of the other event manager podcast episodes, you'll see that they always have a guest. This one, I am the guest and the, uh, the host at the same time. So hopefully you found that useful. You didn't uh, find my voice too monotonous. Um, and uh, I enjoyed giving everybody a little summary of my feelings around Eventech based on participating at Eventech Live. So hope you enjoy that and uh, make sure you listen to some of the other podcast episodes. I think you'll enjoy those as well and uh, see you next time.